This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Mikey Penty Smith, and on the weekend that Ipswich switched to a 3 5 2 formation, I'm joined by a man who had three plus five plus two beers in, in the Gillingham Sun before the game yesterday. It's Joe Fears. How are you? Joe Fares, sorry, how are you, mate? He's asking, do I drink? <laughs> yes, he drinks. <laughs> No, apparently, good, um, apparently that um, scene in the office, um, that wasn't planned that he was going to say, yeah, he drinks. And that was all he could think of, the guy on the spot. <laughs> it's just perfect, isn't it? Um, so yeah, there's, well. there's our first uh, office reference. What is it? Less than 30 seconds in. So it's a good good start. Um, but yeah, do you have a good time yesterday then, Joe? Yeah, good day out. Lovely in the sunshine. I wouldn't have wanted to be on that terrace in sort of a cold Tuesday night in December, but felt like we were there almost for pre-season friendly in that sunshine yesterday. And obviously the win, spoiler alert, we did win yesterday, but it was, no, good good day out. Yeah, it was it was glorious, wasn't it? So as we always do, let's um, let's start with the news. And less than 24 hours after the Milton Keynes victory on Tuesday night, our star striker was performing rock bottoms in a charity wrestling ring in Harwich. Um, and this was all for a great cause. What was your reaction to seeing the videos emerge from this, Joe? Because obviously um, he went off with a groin injury quite early at Milton Keynes. I, I wasn't sort of overly pleased with it. I'm, I've spoken to some wrestling. I'm not a huge wrestling fan. I used to be when I was younger, but I sort of grew out of that in probably a year free but i've sort of <laughs> is that a dig at ben <laughs> <laughs> but I've, and um, these wrestling fans have told me that there's no issue with this move he'd it, it wouldn't hurt him or anything which i'm sure is the plan but i don't just sort of less than 24 hours after going off injured with what is a long-term injury it's, i don't know I'd, I'd have expected him to do maybe a little bit more announcing and a few less rock bottoms there but 
obviously, oh, money raised for a good cause, but I'd imagine I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise if he's sort of been told, yeah, you've sort of done it once, but maybe not anymore. Yeah, quite possibly. I don't know much about wrestling either. But he looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, oh. I think maybe he could get a contender for the Intercontinental Belt and give Brett the Hitman Hart a run for his money. <laughs> That's gone way over my head. I've got no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so on Thursday, the 2,150 Ipswich fans that were travelling to Gillingham were given some advice from the club um, with those who wanted to sit. Um, no, sorry, those who wanted to sit down being told to get there early and get down the front. Where do you stand on unreserved seating, Joe? Let's, let's not get into the, oh, should you be standing up at away games um, minefield? But yeah, where do you stand on unreserved seating to begin with? Um, personally, I think unreserved seating has its place, but generally that's when you've got an away end of 4,000 people and you've sold 2,500 tickets and it's just a case of letting people get in there. I think when it's yesterday, when the stand is sold out, it's it's a little bit irresponsible maybe of the club to, this is Gillingham, not Ipswich, to make it unreserved because it it can make it very difficult because you, what you find is people get in there and they sit in a group of four and another group of four turns up and there's a seat missing and then a seat there and, and all of a sudden those individual seats sort of scattered throughout the stand is 400 seats that are spare and people arriving late and then they can't they can't get in because it looks full like where i where i was standing yesterday in the second half we had probably 20 people standing in the stairs next to me just because there was nowhere for them to find and they wanted to stay together the stewards were fine and they let it go but it's yeah, the not stewards, the stewards not were very um they were very laid back about it or we we i was i was looking forward to seeing what happened uh, when a few people turned up late and they were a little bit argumentative with with the stewards and the stewards just let them get on with it and yeah i think they stood in the in the gangway pretty much the whole the whole game but didn't seem like it went as disastrously as some people maybe thought but no it, it, it went fine and like i say I, I spoke to the guy i went with on the way down there about sort of how you can sort of separate the seat people that want to sit down and people that want to stand at away games it's it's not an easy thing to do because there is almost an unwritten rule that people are going to stand at away games and it's not it's not realistic to suggest that everyone just sits down and you hope people are polite and try and sort of do what they can. But that sort of works both ways from the people that wanting to sit need to sort of be able to put themselves out a little bit. But it's, it's, it's a difficult one to to sort out. But I'm, I'm sure at some point there'll be sort of safer standing areas in away ends and those split with seating areas. Yeah, quite possibly. I'm not really sure how they'll do that, though, because obviously some some clubs maybe have more elderly away fans than others. Yeah. Um, I think it, the way I thought would work best is to sort of split the stand up the middle rather than sort of horizontally, uh, horizontally split it vertically. So the people that want to sit can sit at the back if they want. They're sort of like a standing side to the stand and a seating side to the stand. And mm. that might work because I, I can understand people that want to sit and they don't want to sit on the front row because it's not the best view from down yeah, there. It's so a, it's, it's a terrible view, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's difficult, but I'm, I say hopefully something will work. But it, it seemed to go off yesterday without a hitch and the fans were all in good spirits come the end of it and I I didn't obviously sort of limited sample size around me but I didn't see any issues with people wanting to sit and having people stand in front of them so it was all good no yeah I think there was a there was a kid probably five or six years old behind me and he was he was stood on his seat his dad just said that's how it is at away games that's that's what I was told as a kid he seemed to enjoy himself um, he had a Stone Island cap on I'm not sure whether it was his but <laughs> starting them young Stone um, Thailand, maybe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that brings us on to the game, unless I've um, glaringly missed any 
hot pieces of news from Thursday and Friday. Um, but yeah, let's let's go into the lineups then. At two o'clock, another shock. This seems to seems to happen an hour before every game at the moment. We're a little bit surprised by something that Paul Lambert does. Um, but three five two was the formation that it was sort of laid out on on the Ipswich Town Twitter graphic. Uh, the immensely popular Holy and goal against his former club um, with a back three of Wolfenden, Chambers and Wilson, who kept his place in front of him. Grion Edwards started at left wing back, uh, which is where he played in the leasing.com trophy the other week. And uh, the impressive Kane Vincent Young started on right, at right wing back. And joining the ever-presence Colskews and Flynn Downs this time was the lesser-spotted Andre Dezel. Um, but the shocks didn't stop there, with Alan Judge supposedly starting up front or just in behind Caden Jackson. So pick the bones out of that one, Joe. It wasn't what I was expecting. I, um, I, I, I did have a sort of, sort of feeling we might stick to free it back, because that had worked. I know we hadn't played it for much on the Tuesday night game, but... I thought if we were going to do that, Cole Skews would stay as one of those three, so it gave us that flexibility to be sort of free at the back or or sort of stepping forward into the diamond. But it was a, I was a little bit concerned when you sort of saw three out-and-out sort of defenders in that back three. And I know Wolfenden can step out with the ball and Chambers' distribution has improved the season, but I was still a little bit, is this going to be a little bit backs to the wall and not being able to retain the ball? But then you saw the midfield and it was just all ball players in the midfield. Yep. So yep. It, was a, it was a little bit of a mix and match. And I sort of, Guion Edwards did well enough against Tottenham, but I sort of, it's like, has Miles Kenlock sort of, been taken out the firing line or has he got a little knock or I don't know I'd, I'd have expected to see Miles come back in for that one and judge sort of up front I know we did that a few times last year it's very different when you're playing with a Will Keane or a Colin Quainer as it was then or even yeah. a James Norwood this year because Caden Jackson isn't a player that's sort of going to be able to hold the ball up and mm. yeah I think that's, that's kind of that's kind of the issue that we had with judge playing up there I think that that is probably going to be the position that we see him where we see the best out of him this season which is playing off the striker but I think I'm with you I don't see that striker being Caden Jackson it just doesn't really work does it um how shocked are you to see Andre Dezel it's, it's a strange one Andre isn't he because all of a sudden he just comes in for a game every now and again and it's sort of like he just drops in and not when you're expecting it him to come in and sort of any role and it's sort of where's, where's he going to go but I, I was pleased to see him in there because I thought he, he can sort of make the difference in a game like that today where we've got Jackson up front whose strengths are his pace his sort of running into space sort of especially running into the channels and getting sort of getting the balls there and if anyone's going to be able to pick out those runs it is Andre Dezel in there so I'm sure when Kane Jackson saw the team he was, he was pleased to see Andre in there yeah absolutely so uh, moving on to the Gillingham team, and not too many names in there that I'm particularly familiar with, um, which is quite often the case. Uh, they also play played with three at the back. I was told before the game that they usually play a four-three-three, and I don't know whether it was a case of them second-guessing us or what. But they played with Bonham in goal, a back three of Tucker, Aimer, and Ogilvy um, as the three centre backs. They had um, O'Connor playing left wing back, Fuller right wing back, um, Byrne and former Ipswich Academy bench warmer Stuart O'Keefe in the middle uh, with Lee sort of in the number 10 position and Yakubiak and Hanlon up front. Um, Do you remember seeing much of Stuart O'Keefe, Joe? 
No, I, I don't think he had a scholarship here. I think he was released before he was an under-16, so mm-hmm. I don't think he went full-time, and it's very difficult. Like, you can sort of watch, watch the under-16 games, but you're watching them without team sheets or anything like that, and he obviously wasn't one of the players that was pushed on at the end of it because he, he wasn't getting the scholarship. And the time when you do tend to see those players are sort of at the very back end of the season when they do a couple of showcase matches. So, no, he mm-hmm. was not someone... I, I knew he'd been in the academy. I think, did he go to Southend after us and then worked his way to Crystal Palace? And Yeah, I think Peterborough may, maybe. maybe via Grimsby as well. But, yeah, he ended... Yeah, he played in the Premier League a little bit for mm. Crystal Palace and then got... He just seemed to be able to be in the right place at the right time. And I guess that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, um, he got... a quite a long contract at Cardiff and then got loaned out various times. But I think judging by yesterday, League One is probably probably his level. Um, but was there anyone in there that you were particularly worried about? Yakubiak, I think, is on loan from Watford. Um, has a bit of pedigree. I know they had Ollie Lee, didn't they, playing off the back. And he's, he's a player that can score goals and create things and has done, I think, sort of at Luton in the past. And But he, he didn't really get into the game. No. So let's let's get into the game and with Ipswich shooting towards the Gillingham end, not much happened in the first quarter of an hour and I'm sure you were struggling as much as I was to work out whether Judge was actually playing up front with Jackson. It's quite often hard to know what his position is because he mm-hmm. just floats around, doesn't he? On 15 minutes, we survive a bit of a scare as Chambers scuffs a clearance and Lee scuffed it wide. Um, we had our first chance shortly after with a Previously quiet, Dazelle whipping in quite a nice corner and Wilson got his head to it well, but it went just wide. He did that twice in the first half, actually. Mm. Um, then O'Connor went really close to scoring an absolute worldie for Gillingham, a beautiful dipping volley. I, did you think that was him? Because I, I certainly did. I, I, I didn't. because it, I'm, I don't know where you were sitting, but I was dead in line with him in okay. the post. So yeah. you could see it was always going over. And when it sort of hit the top of the net, it was more surprised that it hit the top of the net. But the... It must have looked very close from the other end because it yeah. wasn't just a few of their fans that went up. It was almost the whole middle block. Yeah, it was that pretty much fast the hand went up to yeah. celebrate that goal. Yeah, I I was um, to well, I was slightly to Holy's left and quite near the front, so not not a perfect view really. Um, and moments later, they had an even better chance. Well, not not that that was really a full chance, but Eamon missed the target from close range. Um, it was dis- disappointing first half an hour, wasn't it, Joe? Really. Yeah, we did, we just hadn't really got into the game at this point. We were, what what we did get onto the ball, there was no real movement ahead of them, and it ended up it ended up coming back into that back three, which sort of as I said earlier, where you're a bit worried that none of them will be able to sort of get us moving from the back there, and that that was proving to be the case. And Gillian weren't it sort of didn't look like scoring at all. I know that that was a decent chance they had there, but that was more of a sort of scuffed overhead and he scuffed, he looked offside to me, but I haven't seen the replay back, but the lino hadn't given it. So had he connected, it would either hit holy or gone in effectively. But I say it just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. And I think sort of judge needed to, we end, we just had too many bodies really close together in sort of judge Giselle downs and scoose. And they just mm. were almost getting in each other's way at one point. And it, I think it sort of just changed a little bit and down started drifting out a bit wider to try and get on the ball after this. He did, yeah. And uh, he did exactly that. And on 32 minutes, we actually started to play the ball around really nicely. And I was thinking, great, we're finally having a bit of possession. And what does it lead to, Joe? The first goal. Kane Vincent Young's first goal in the Ipswich shirt. And 
the club have put the the video up earlier and it is i think it's the 25th part of the move which leads yep. to that and it's it, there's not a huge amount of dynamism in it and it's a, but it's mostly between sort of on the right hand side luke wolfenden and flynn downs just sort of moving the ball and comfort, comfortable with it and just keeping it going switching it across the other side and mm. down sort of from the very right touchline is on the ball two or three times at the start of the move and then it's him on the other on the other side of the pitch he gets across to pick it up and he sort of plays the ball into Dizel and then Dizel just sort of this is this is what Andre can do where it's just all of a sudden he just bangs it around the corner into Jackson's feet, runs off him, picks the ball up, plays Jackson back in and then brilliant cross from Jackson, curl into the back post and Vincent Young. He's not really under any pressure, but it's still sort of brave and the fact he's getting in the box like he did at MK on Tuesday yeah, is sort yeah. of showing a real attack and intent. And that was it was a sort of really good header and we could he couldn't really miss once he got there, but it was I say that the ball and but like I say that's just that Dizel when he when he gets on the ball and he just just turns it and even in the Wimbledon game where he puts that free ball to Norwood it's like no matter how quiet he is he's always just got that moment of quality in him that can just sort of turn us from sort of first gear to fifth gear in one in one ball. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, I suppose that was probably up there with Flynn Downs' goal as our best goal of the season so far, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. The way it. The way that everyone, I think everyone apart from Edwards on our, every outfield player had at least sort of touched the ball at least once in the move. So mm. that's nice to see. And like I said, there's obviously a plan for how we want to get playing. And like if, if we could play like that all game, every game, then yeah, we're going to walk this league. But mm. we're, we're, not, we're not there yet. And I'm sure the questions will come on to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And not not much really happened between then and the halftime uh, whistle and Paul Lambert makes a change at half time, and I haven't heard about any sort of injury. But Flynn Downs comes off, and John Nolan comes on. Um, good to see Nolan again. Uh, Downs, despite being quite heavily involved in that first goal, didn't really seem to be at his best. It was a hot day, and he, he's played a lot of football this season, hasn't he? Do you think that was just a case of getting fresh legs on and giving yes. Downs a bit of a rest? Strange one, because at the MK game, he went off not long after half-time either. So sort of 50, 50-ish minutes he went off on Tuesday. And then only a half yesterday, you sort of wonder whether there is a underlying issue that he's just not quite getting through because he had been so good up until that MK game, probably our sort of man of the match in almost every game until that point. So maybe he just needs a sort of rest. And we've got a week coming up, so maybe, maybe he'll have that then. But yeah, good, good to get Nolan on and that sort of just change the configuration in the midfield. You saw Dazelle drop back more alongside Scoose and sort of Nolan pushed up. And it's like, like you, I was behind the goal in the Ipswich fans. And it was hard to tell how much Judge was playing up front with Jackson, but he didn't really look it in the first half. No. Where in the second half, he was sort of more pushed up. And while he's never going to be a second striker, I think that there was definitely a sort of clearer intention for him to be a lot closer to Jackson and sort of be on the last shoulder a bit more. A lot of it is more just getting out of the way of the other midfielders, isn't it? It's not yeah. so much we need you right up there alongside Jackson. It's more a case of we kind of need you to create a bit more space in the middle of the park for Dizelle and Nolan to pick those passes. Um, Steve Evans didn't make any changes at half time, but then proceeded to make two really quickly at the start of the second half, which was a little bit strange. Um, yeah, it was about 40. The first one was literally two minutes after the break. Yeah. Wasn't it? And then there's yeah. another one within 10. I said that I don't know whether that was him him reacting to what we'd done or whether he's trying to be a bit cleverer than he is or was too busy eating pies for the half-time break to get his changes into the referee. You know what I thought he looked like uh, yesterday? What he reminded me of? The fat that? controller? Uh, a little, little bit like that. But you know um, when you're on the 
bus replacements any given weekend on the Greater Anglia service from London back to Ipswich, and you have to change at uh, I don't know where, somewhere in somewhere in Essex, and then you have to get on a coach. And there's always a really fat bloke with a clipboard yelling at everyone, telling them what tr- what buses are going where. Ingate like, Stone like, this way. Exactly, Ingate Stone. Uh, and that's what Steve Evans reminded me of. Um, bless him. More on him later. More on him later, indeed. Um, not much sort of happened between then and the 63rd minute when Gillingham probably should have got a goal back. Um, Burn slipped in Yakubiak, who took a fairly heavy touch and Luke Chambers flies in, um, gets decent enough contact on it to prevent a goal. He wanted a goal kick as well. Um, but yeah, good sharp defending from Chambers, who I thought was excellent throughout, really. Um, now, counter-attacks are arguably where we've looked most dangerous this season, where we've looked at our best. Um, and moments later, we launched a really good one with Vincent Young again heavily involved. Can you talk us through this one, Joe? Yeah, it's right on the very edge of our box that Dazelle sort of gets in, wins, wins the ball off their midfielder, knocks it to Scoose, who knocks it to Vincent Young, who's drifted in off the flank. He does his amazing two-footer dribbling, which is I just find incredible every time I watch him how, mm, how good he is on, on both feet, how he can go either way. At, at any point in that run, he can go either way onto either foot. And he just completely goes sort of ghost past one of their sort of midfielders tracking and he sort of goes and goes and he gets gets about sort of 25 30 yards from goal and judge has made a good run out onto the left peeled away found himself in a lot of space and vincent young just rolls it to him perfectly weighted pass perfect ball judge does everything right but his shot just clatters against the bottom of the post and mm. sort of six inches to the right hand side and we've got a, another good counter-attacking goal which is sort of becoming one of our fortes this season yeah, that would have been a beautiful goal. It was a he took it. It sounds strange, thing as he technically didn't hit the target, but he didn't snatch at it, did he? He took it, no. took it well, and he he did what he was trying to do with it, which was get a nice bend on it, nice low one around the goalkeeper. But unfortunately for him, it it came back off the post. Um, so Emmy Hughes then comes on for Dizelle, who lasted sixty five minutes and did all right, didn't he? Um, yeah. By now we're we're well on top and another counter-attack ends with Judge squaring the ball for Nolan, but it sort of comes straight at him and with no back lift, he hits a reasonable shot that the keeper has to save. Um, Norwich hi- comes on. The highlight of that was the referee falling over. When oh he yeah, of course. Running yeah. through. Yeah, and they about... didn't really catch that in the highlights. No, it's disappointing but... really. And then sort of a few seconds later, John Nolan gives him back what I assume was his whistle that he had dropped <laughs> on the pitch. I was about to say, he, he, he did get up quickly though, didn't he? He got yeah. up well. It's like a combat um, goal. <laughs> uh, Norwood comes on for the last quarter of an hour uh, to give us more of a physical presence and I think we noticed it almost straight away he was troubling those centre-backs um, in a way that Jackson can't really um, and to be honest we sort of see the game out fairly, re- fairly well from there a lot of heading it and kicking it from our back three but Gillingham didn't really create much I think they had one free kick on the edge of the box that they sort of made a bit of a mess of um, so the full-time whistle blows and Lambert and Evans appear to have a bit of a row at the final whistle. We'll go into that in a minute. But what was your overriding emotion um, at the full-time whistle, Jay? Same as always, sort of relief. When, when, you're only, when you're only one goal up, you are just worried that something is going to happen. But 
I think Lambert got a spot on yesterday with regards to that defence. I know at the start I said, oh, no ball players there. But the way you saw Gillingham play and how, how direct they were with the ball, we needed that those battlers back there. And all, all three defenders had a really good game again. Um, and for all, for all the talk of it, I know they had that sort of early couple of half chance in the first half and that break. But we, we don't really concede any chance. We don't really concede good chances at the moment. And... Mm. This five clean sheets in a row, which is a club record, which when you think back for all the years Alf Ramsey was in charge, Bobby Robson was in charge, that what we've done in the last few weeks has never been bettered, admittedly at much higher levels and with much better teams. It's still in it. Like, like that Robson team in the 80s were like 40, 50 games at Portman Road unbeaten and things like that. And we've never kept five clean sheets in a row under them. So it's, like I say, it's really impressive what we're doing. And we just look, pretty comfortable almost in every game we don't we don't look like we're blowing anyone away at the moment but we just look comfortable yeah it's 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 nice to blow teams away but it's also it's good to be solid isn't it and mm. we've played solid football defensively in the past and been less creative going forward and just pumped yeah. it even more albeit at a higher level i think we've been a little bit lucky at times um over this run where the ball sort of dropped to opposition players in the six-yard box and they've just sort of snatched at chances. But they're the type of ones that probably go in in the championship. Um, but maybe when you're winning games, you get the rub of the green. Because there was there was only really one example of that against Gillingham. There was one in the first half against Milton Keynes. And I remember a couple in the Shrewsbury game where we were perhaps a little bit fortunate. But in open play, we're not really conceding many chances. Uh, I don't um, like I say you, you can't keep five clean sheets in a row without having a bit of luck along the way because there's always there's always going to be a chance, isn't there? And mm. I don't really have much. Uh, like I say, I think the, the level in League One, I don't really have a huge amount of fear when the ball drops to an opposition striker that they're going to bury it like you do in the Championship. Yeah, but that's probably the seven pints that you have before the game, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> keeps you keeps you nice and calm. Yeah, keeps me going. <laughs> right, so let's get uh, stuck into the the Lambert and Evans war of words after the game. Um, so, yeah, how did it start? And then what happened from there? Well, sort of to, just to rewind it back to Friday, sort of, they sort of made a, not comment, like Lambert said he doesn't really know Evans and stuff. And Evans sort of was effusive in his praise for Lambert saying, oh, he's brilliant and stuff like that. And then it seemed at, at the end of the game, I, I didn't really see what happened, but I just, I, all I could see was Jim Henry, the, um, who looks like the guy from Neighbours and who subsequently had a good career in Hollywood and things like the OC, um, <laughs> just dra- just just dragging dragging Lambert away from him and sort of really having to sort of walk him quite a long way away from him before he stopped. Like Evans wasn't chasing after him, but that might be because he can't run. And it just was. It just seemed that, but it just seemed a storm in a teacup. You'd assume it was a little thing that was said between um, Lambert didn't really comment much on it after the game. He just sort of said that he sort of just tried to talk it away and said that it was, he wished him a happy birthday because he's a polite Glasgow guy. Sort of very, it seemed very tongue in cheek. He was pretty derogatory about the way Gillingham played though, wasn't he? He did sound like he was trying to get a dig in. Had a dig saying how he wasn't expecting it. And if their fans would have had more entertainment watching the technical area. And then Evans has come back with this real, sort of tirade saying he's heard something from Lambert which would shock anybody on the street and let alone in the football dugout he's um, managed over a thousand or nearly a thousand games he's never heard anything like that 
that Lambert had also said about their presumably their young right back that when he put the ball in the crowd that he was rubbish and that football managers shouldn't do that about other players. Um, Lambert has come out and sort of totally denied these claims, said that some of the abuse that he and his assistant were getting from their box was absolutely vile and disgusting and along those lines. And that's sort of where it's left at the moment. But Evans is known for being an absolute arse on the touchline and he's had Mm. Touchline bands before he's sort of seen as a bit of a nasty piece of work by some people, especially in the, in the non-league scene. When like I say one of the guys I was with, his brother-in-law had played sort of to a good level, and there's sort of stories about him through there, which sort of I don't know. He's just he's just not seen as a sort of a good guy. But um, like I say he'd had an issue before with Mick McCarthy, where after after we'd beaten Leeds when he was somehow in charge of them, he'd sort of come out and said that if they're the benchmark for what the playoffs are, then they've got nothing to worry about because all we did was lump it long to Daryl Murphy, <laughs> which he, he may have had a point. But <laughs> I think McCarthy came back and said he likes to exercise his jaw, but he doesn't seem to like any other exercise. No, oh, good so, old Mick, hey? So he had a dig at him there. But it just seems, I don't know, it seems very out of character for Lambert, uh, an experienced manager. And it doesn't really seem out of character for Evans's. No. From from all I've seen from the outside, he's obviously never managed it, yeah. so I haven't seen him that closely. But. but 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 playing devil's advocate, maybe you can get away with it when it's somebody like Evans because you kind of know that nobody's going to believe him. Maybe. Um, Benjamin Arier, uh tweeted to ask, "Do you like seeing this sort of thing from Lambert? Because it divided opinion. Uh, his behaviour on the touchline at Norwich last season, didn't it? Um, I'd, I'd I'd rather him not get involved if he could, but but he didn't seem to. Like, the thing is, we don't know what was said, but he basically went to shake Evan's hand at the end of the game and and then it's all kicked off from there. He hasn't... It, had Evans just shaken his hand and walked away, none of none of this would have come out. So we don't know. So I I think Lambert... In, in this situation, I, I can't really criticise him because all he's done is go to shake the manager's hand, he's turned it down, and then he's effectively defended himself from pretty derogatory comments about himself. So I can't really blame him. I don't really like to see the managers getting too involved with each other like the sort of Norwich game but in this situation there's not really anything he's done wrong mm. unless what he said is proven or what he's, Evans has said what he said has proven to be correct yeah yeah you're not wrong um, where do you want to go from here Joe do you want to do Twitter questions or should we go through the other results in the league table yeah flick through the league table see where Okay. see if we're still <laughs> top of the league oh, if we have to uh, I'll go through the other results first um so AFC Wimbledon beaten at home 3-1 by Bristol Rovers. Um, Harry from Bath's second team, perhaps. Uh, Accrington drew one all at home in a Lancashire hot pot against Blackpool. Um, Bolton really, really close and a bit unlucky not to get that first one of the season. Yeah. Aidan McGeady got a last-minute equaliser in a 1-1 draw for Sunderland. That, that has increased the pressure on Jack Ross. Sort of. It's almost beyond boiling point when you see mm. some of their f- fans at the moment. And that is a dreadful result, isn't it? I know Bolton and have got some players in, but they still lost 6-1 last week. And He's not the only manager um, of one of our supposed promotion rivals that is sort of getting it a little bit from the fans either. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Doncaster um, beat Peter Bratunil in the the battle of the two sides that probably impressed us the most this season. Yeah, good result, um, that. Yeah. 
Fleetwood, Joey Barton's Fleetwood, 2-1 win over Rochdale. Is that another Lancashire derby? Is my geography right yeah, there? I suppose that, yeah, I suppose they both are Lancaster. Yeah. Lancashire. <laughs> um, Lincoln City, new manager bounce, Appleton. Yeah. Uh, they lost 6-0 at home to Oxford United. Unbelie- um, unbelievable, isn't it? Like, um, there's, there's a big job to be picked up at Lincoln after what the Cowleys have done. They are a management team that is just going to... They were sort of part of every part of that club. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Appleton was in charge for yesterday's game or whether he's yeah. sort of starting after the weekend. But yeah. Oxford have got some good players, but they don't seem to be able to put it together. But obviously everything clicked yesterday because that is an Could unbelievable away start win. start of something, yeah. Uh, Milton Keynes for the second time in a week have beaten 1-0 at home by an East Anglian team. Southend United apparently watched by Henrik Larsson. Yeah, first win of the season manager. for Southend. Yeah. Uh, Rotherham, who we thought were going to win every home game this season, failed to win again. They drew 0-0 at home to Shrewsbury. Um, Tranmere picks up a good 2-1 win for them against Burton. They're next for us, of course. Yeah, that was, that was their first win of the season other than uh, when they beat sort of Bolton youth team earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the team that everyone's talking about, well, there's one team who everyone is, is expecting to drop out of the top six, and there's another team that everyone's expecting to eventually come into the top six, Wickham versus Portsmouth. Wickham won 1-0, and Kenny Jacket is being asked to fetch his coat by a lot of the Pompey fans that I know. Um, they're absolutely sick of him. I think it's a, a case of, He's quite a negative manager, and when you start to not get results, the fans turn against you. Can you I imagine that? Yeah, I, I could imagine it. I'd sort of playing out, but sort of don't ask me why. But do your <laughs> Portsmouth friends are they playing Phil Collins on their vinyl player at the moment? No jacket required. Oh, very good, very good. One of them's actually saying that he hopes that Sol Campbell takes over. So would, he, uh, he, he did a good job at Macclesfield, so yeah, that might be a bad thing. But apparently, the Portsmouth owners are very, very conservative um, in their ownership. Well, Sol um, Campbell is a Tory, isn't he? So. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe very, good. very good. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> but when you but when you look at um, Portsmouth as potential title rivals, d- promotion rivals, we're fifteen points ahead of them now, and I know that's, I know it's still early days in the season, but that's a like I say, these points we're putting on the board now are massive, and to be that far ahead of Portsmouth already, who sort of were most people's favourites for the title, is is really really good. I think you were on the same page as me. Correct me if I'm wrong. That selling Ellis Harrison to Portsmouth wasn't a good move. Yeah, no, no, I I didn't think it was the right thing to do because it sort of left us short up front, which we which we still are to an extent. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. One, yeah, it that is true, but. <laughs> He was a bit petulant yesterday. Got sent off for two bookable offences. Yeah, it, it, um, it does seem difficult because I've, I've, I was sort of listening to something on one of the other podcasts, maybe not the top twenty pod, where they're saying that whenever there's sort of a tete a tete, like the referee just seems to book both players. What whatever happens, it's just like book both players. So it's almost like if one of the opposition players is on a yellow card, you just want to sort of try and get involved with them because they'll end up <laughs> sort of booking them both, and it'll be their second yellow, which. Might be a tactic employed later on in the season by some teams if they hear about it. Absolutely. So I can see uh, a league ladder to your right there, uh, Joe. I'm not sure if you've filled it in the whole way, but can you just let me know who's at the top of League One? It is a big blue team called Ipswich Town. I haven't filled it in this weekend, but oh, I did fantastic. just move us to the top. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, blue arm. That's a nice bit of uh, vision for those listening on Acast. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, Ipswich, top of the league. Nine games played, 21 points. Um, It's looking pretty good. Coventry obviously didn't play. They were supposed to play Berry, I think. Rich Woodward will be disappointed to see that they dropped below us in second. on uh, 19 points. Um, Wickham Wanderers still right up there, albeit they're one of the few teams that has played 10 games. Um, they're level on points with Coventry with 19 points. And then it's Joey Barton's Fleetwood who are sort of quietly going about their business. They're, their last five games, there's been a, a win, a loss, win, draw, win. I mean, that's that's pretty good form, isn't it? Sunderland, they're still up there, aren't they? They're fifth. They're on 16 points. I think it's something silly that since they got relegated last season, they've now had 22 1-1 draws since relegation started last season. Another one yesterday, obviously. But draw your away games and win your home games. And Did I just say that the wrong way around? No, win that's your home... right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shouldn't doubt myself. Uh, Blackpool are still up there despite sort of being a bit off the boil at the moment. They're um, like the Lancashire hotpot. Uh, down in sixth on 16 points. Doncaster, I think... Yeah, they're on eight points. So if they win their games in hand, they'll be right up there. And I think, rightly so, I think they're a decent team. Bristol Rovers have climbed up to eighth now on 15 points, which is above Peterborough, who we've Mm. all been talking about. Um, They're on 14 points after nine games. Um, Just just one that I want to bring up is um, Rotherham. I know they've only played eight games, but they're not even in the top half at the moment. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'd say it's good if it, because you you do expect the cream to rise to the top of these divisions. And, but, and it can take a while to get over relegation as sort of Rotherham are finding now. But 
every week we're just putting more and more points between us that if we do have a bad run, which is probably inevitable at some point in the season, that bad run is, shouldn't cost us because we're on such a good run at the moment. Okay, so maths really isn't my strong point. Um, but according to my extrapolations, and this is the first time that I've tried this, and I've probably got it badly wrong, we're averaging 2.3 points per game and therefore are on course for 102.52 points, oh. which we'd probably take that, wouldn't we, Joe? Yeah, we'd take that, yeah. And yeah. Anything, over, anything over 100, I think I'd take. So. <laughs> 100 goals is looking less likely, though. Yeah. That's but... coming in at a, around 80. I'm thinking um, if we just concede 100 shots all season, though, that would sort of cover it. Probably get us there, wouldn't it? But that does bring us on to the first Twitter question, which is from Ian McIntyre, 74. Why do you think the goals have dried up in the last week? Any cause for concern? <sighs> Tough question, really, isn't it? We we haven't created as much in the last few weeks, and it's maybe our sort of hot form of sort of scoring sort of gone out the window a little bit where because sort of Norwood and Jackson everything they were touching was turning to goals for a few weeks but we have gone a little bit more conservative with how we've played so maybe it's just a case of trying to tighten it at one end and go for the other but yeah it's sort of sort of two goals in three games is sort of not really what you want to be doing but I think we're still I haven't looked at the sort of XG tables from yesterday but I, th- I think we're still sort of right up there in, in regards to that mm. and if you don't if you don't concede goals, you don't need to score more than one. No. Um, so Jack Berham wants to know, a little bit more optimistic this one, how long will this unbeaten consecutive game run of clean sheets go on for? So I think, how long will this unbeaten run of games go on for and how long will the clean sheets run go on for? Well, you, you look at the sort of upcoming games and I think, I th- I think Fleetwood away is going to be a tough game. That's a... That's a, that's a long way to go and they're a side in good form it's in a sort of small ground and they, they they seem to be playing well, especially at home. So that, that could be one that's really going to test it. But Barton will be up for that against one of the bigger teams as well, won't he? Yeah, and sort of they they want to prove that they, they deserve to be talked about in that in that top six race as well. And I think I think they do from what I've seen. So he'll be he'll be desperate to get a result. Clean sheets, well it could it could go on. Like I I, I don't I say I don't see any reason why we shouldn't set the club record next week uh, against Tranmere, but mm. I don't know. Like I say, it only takes one deflection, one lucky bounce, and and that's gone. So, but if if we could set a new club record, I think that would be sort of un- unbelievable, really. Now the nerd inside me is telling me that I think that we've set a club record against Tranmere at home before in the nineties. I think. Or they denied us a club record. I can't remember. We drew nil nil at home on a blazing hot day late on in the in the playoff pushing season. And I think that either meant that we broke an unbeaten record or we were denied a winning record. I think yeah, we won seven in a row or something. I, I can't I can't remember yeah. that, that far it's back. It's a shame that the renegade stat man doesn't listen to shows when he's not on because he could uh, yeah. tweet us the answer on <laughs> Monday morning, couldn't he? But. Oh, well, moving on to the next question, um, which is from, from Mullet. Um, he wants to know, is this the start of Andre Dizel's redemption in the eyes of those who have written him off? Is it helpful to judge players based on their status as academy graduates in a team like this? Um, I, I, so with regards to the redemption, I'm not, I'm not sure it's sort of anything anything to do with that on at the moment because a lot of the people that don't rate him will will see yesterday's performance oh he didn't really get involved he didn't really do a lot in the same way they saw the Wimbledon game like that sort of overlooking the fact that he's 
hasn't played many games. He's come into the team in an unfamiliar role and ultimately he's the player that's made something happen in the way he did against Wimbledon had Norwood put that chance over the keeper. So I say, I think if you can't appreciate his qualities, you're, you're not going to unless he's sort of pulling out four or five through balls a game to create clear-cut chances, which just isn't going to happen. So I think like I say, I'd, I'd like to see Dazelle get a run of games in the team. I think he's... He's a very different type of player to Flynn Downs, who is all action, and you can't help but notice him in, in these games. So, But mm. I, I think he will get this run at some point. It's just a case of how, because it's hard to judge a player who is just coming in for one game, missing the next four, coming in for one, missing three, getting 20 minutes on the next one. It's it's not the best situation to, to judge mm. someone, but if that's how it ends up, that's how we will be judged, and and we'll see where he is at the end of the season. But yeah. And with, with regards to youth players, is the... So I can't remember the exact wording of it, but so it was. Uh, is it helpful to judge players based on their status as academy graduates in a team like this? Um, I don't see it's either helpful or unhelpful, really. But ultimately, as a club, if we want to succeed, we need to be bringing players through from the youth academy and turning them into sort of players that are too good for the too good for us, so that we can sell them on for a lot of money. And looks like probably Flynn Downs is at the top of that queue for players that are playing well and pushing on but Luke Wolfenden's looking really good and he's showing some of the qualities which managers higher up the football pyramid are going to like if Jack Lancaster can get fit he's a player that definitely is going to impress people up there because he's always going to create stuff so I think I think it's, it's going well at the moment with with the academy and but I'd like I say I'd make no secret the fact that I'd rather see the academy boys pushed on at the ex- expense of other ones personally but they, they have to be deserving of it too yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daryl wants to know, uh, well, he, he makes the statement, a win's a win, but will Town ever start winning 3-0 instead of riding their luck at 1-0? I'm not sure he really rode our luck too much yesterday, no. but uh, he added the nice hashtag, we want blood. But in the, even in the Shrewsbury game where we beat them 3-0, people still moaned that we then <laughs> didn't dominate the game because they had a couple of chances and so we didn't we didn't shut the game off with 10 men even though we were very comfortable at 2-0, gave away a couple of chances, scored a really good goal and then just seemed to switch back off again. So, And we had a midweek game coming up to follow it. So, I don't know, you've, you've, just, got to, you've just got to get through these games. And I don't know, I'd, obviously every fan would rather win 3-0 than 1-0, but I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm never going to complain about a 1-0 win away from home. No, absolutely not. Uh, sometimes they're even a bit sweeter, aren't they? Um, Stubbsy wants to know, on a scale of 1-10... to 10, how well did the three-five system work today? Uh, obviously, he he sent that question in on Saturday, um, and will we stick with it now, or will it very much depend on the opposition? I think I think probably the latter. Yeah, I think I think everything we do is going to depend on the opposition this year because, like we say, we changed it to three because we played MK because we thought they were, and when where they weren't, we quickly went away from it. We probably should have been a little bit more reactive against Doncaster than what we were. They had three in the middle, and we didn't match that at all. Yesterday, I think we played free because we wanted to get free bodies on for the sort of direct football that was coming our way. I'd say it's just horses for courses, really. And I think what what has happened over the last sort of three to four weeks is that all those players that were missed pre-season, had knocks and stuff, you've almost we're almost at a stage now where, barring the long-term absentees of Bishop and Sears, Keane is sort of back up to fitness, Emma Hughes is up to fitness, Luke Garbett is up to fitness, Alan Judges, John Nolan is, Gwion Edwards is. 
we've really, like I say, we've really managed to rotate the squad around nicely enough that everyone is almost there now. And when we're picking a team for next week, there's no, there's no real questions on are they going to be able to start the game, I think. Mm. And compliments to the sports scientists that have been under fire from us <laughs> at numerous points over the last few seasons. Uh, Martin at Pakefield ITFC as we seem to be getting increasing, increasingly experimental, is Judge as a deep-lying second striker behind Norwood likely to be something we may soon we may see soon? And will it work? I think that would be very interesting to see because I think Norwood, with the way he occupies defenders and sort of can bully centre-halves, would give Judge a lot of space to play in that, in that role. Takes away all the Judge's defensive responsibilities and whether that deep second striker becomes a sort of number 10 or how, however you want to call it. If we can be getting Judge on the ball in, in space, in the centre of the park, from in that sort of 30 to 40 yards out range, you'd expect him to be able to create something for Norwood. And I'm sure, I'm sure any of the strikers would like to play with judge if they can get him into space in, in that area of the pitch absolutely yeah it's kind of oh, we, we've spoken about this before it's not like some clever smart comparison that i've come up with but um bradley dack was used to good effects off danny graham wasn't he um in blackburn's promotion season i, I saw that he scored again yesterday for blackburn so it, maybe judge could could be used in that sort of position a little bit closer to a striker but yeah, it has to be has to be a striker that can actually hold the ball up because that's not Jackson's game. And Judge probably threads better balls in for Jackson when he's slightly slightly further back as well. Um, so a new new era at Ipswich. John wants to know: Is Paul Lambert's counter pressing philosophy actually very smart? As it's our best chance of taking points from teams in the Championship if we get promoted. To to most of them being obviously most of the opposition there will be better resourced than we will be. Yeah, I, I hadn't really considered that to be honest, but now sort of John has said that 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 does seem to make a fair bit. It's a good, of sense. it's a good, when, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good question and sort of really something that makes you think about it. And like I say we have been. Like I say I saw a stat tweeted last week, and it was about the amount of. I might have mentioned this on the pod on Wednesday, but it was about the amount of chances created or shots from counter attacks, and we were sort of five or six clear of anyone else in the division. And when you think we're also a team that's probably sort of held possession more than a lot of other teams in this league, the fact we're having more possession than most teams and we're also hitting more teams on the counter is sort of real, sort of, sort of real a demonstration that we are a very good counter-attacking side and we're very good at creating things. And the signings that we've made, sort of even in recent weeks, Kane Vincent Young is a player that is sort of made for that system. So... Yeah, no, if, if, if that's something we can get worked on throughout this season, then when we when we go up the league, if, if we go up this year, then, yeah, it's sort of working to be solid at the back and hitting teams on the counter is always going to be a good tactic and pressure. Probably that, that formation is probably also a good way of getting Luke Garbett into the team as well, isn't it? Yeah, and having that sort of quality from one side because... It's all sort of like a jigsaw, isn't it? Every, everything you put in, you have to take away something else. And if you can get Garbett in there, you may lose a little bit of sort of defensive solidity, but you also mm. add in his sort of crossing ability and his set pieces with the sort of left foot set pieces where if, if Dazelle isn't playing, or we haven't got anyone else to take those. So it's all, it's all, it all seems to be working well and coming together. And sort of the biggest, biggest bonus that while it's all coming together is we are winning every game at the moment. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad habit to have. At Rob Crabwalk, who has a pretty frightening profile picture, I must say, 
uh, asks, looking at the quality of the league so far, is it fair to say that the biggest threat to promotion is likely to come from within the club? And if so, what do you think that threat will be? Um, I think people do underestimate the quality of the league a little bit. I know we sort of seem to be winning without getting into second gear, but there's sort of been some bigger clubs than us and better resource clubs and people would say better teams coming down in better positions as in not bottom the league by miles that have come down to this league and struggled to win. Like, look at Sunderland. They came down with a sort of a brilliant squad last year at this level. They've added to it. They signed Will Grigg for £4 million in January and they still can't win games. And mm. I say Portsmouth that's what, Lambert, that's what Lambert was saying yesterday on Radio Suffolk, actually, after the game. Um, how, long, saying, how long did Leeds it, get stuck down here for? Yeah, not in yeah. Forest. Sheffield United. All these if teams it's, got if stuck it's down easy, here. Why, why isn't anyone, yeah. else, anyone else doing I it? I say... So don't get me wrong, promotion out of this league is going to be an achievement. If we win the title this year, that's a hell of an achievement from from where we were in sort of May earlier this year. Um, and with with regards to the biggest problem coming from in-house, I suppose it's keeping everyone fit, involved and happy. It's just, that's difficult, isn't it? There's, there's a squad of 23, 24 players that are good League One players that would get into most teams at this level. And we've got to find a way of keeping all those happy without sort of changing the squad unnecessarily for every game. And like I say, we've, we've got to a position where nearly everyone's fit. Do we start to stick to a team or do we, do we keep rotating like we are? Will we get anything running? But yeah, that, that's, that's got to be the biggest headache for Lambert, keeping everyone happy. Mm. And hopefully that won't be a problem. Um, James Houston has a problem though. Uh, <laughs> And that is a question that he wants you to answer. I bet he'll be absolutely delighted to hear that for the a millionth time in his life so far. Um, with um, Kane Vincent Young, James Norwood and Thomas Holy all fitting in so well, who do you think will prove to be our best signing this season? Well, so that's think, a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'd, like, as, as much as I think Norwood is going to be the one that gets the headlines because he's going to score most of the goals and he's seems to have this magnet to sort of social media presence that just gets it gets it right and gets it moving. I think Kane Vincent Young solving that right back problem is is the biggest thing for me because he has been superb since we've signed him. Like I know I'm sort of making a big thing about his dribbling, but just the way he gets on the ball, the way he plays he looks like he's been playing in this team for ten years. He just has settled straight into it. He's a smart looks, he's a smart young lad as well, isn't he? Yeah, you he, can he, tell that he's he, played a lot he of young... football as well. I just, I know, I, I, I think it'll be Vincent Young because I just, I, I could see him. I just think he'll play for us until he's sort of too good for us, and then he'll go. I just, like Holy, I've been, I've been really, really impressed with him, especially in the last few games. But I just think Vincent Young has just come in, looks our sort of one of our best outfield players, and I think mm. he'll just stay in the side until <laughs> forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Thomas at I am Spartacus 73. Whilst things are going, so this is a complete change of direction. Whilst things are going so well, time to concentrate on more important matters. Yorkshire's gravy and ketchup on all Sunday roasts is normal, yeah? Tastes lovely anyway. Now I'm going to come in straight away and say, I don't like tomato ketchup, but I'm sure even if I did, it does not belong on a roast dinner. Come on. I, I, I can't say I've never had it on a roast dinner because I do like ketchup and I have it a, a lot oh, of things. Okay. But but generally, no, I, I wouldn't have it on a roast. Sometimes on a roast potatoes, if they're 
if if you've got a poor quality gravy, like say you're eating out and there's a poor quality gravy, sometimes you need some ketchup on there just to give the potatoes a bit of flavouring because generally if they can't get the gravy right, they haven't got the potatoes right either. So mm. needs help there. But yeah, Yorkshire puddings can go with any roast. Yeah. If you were to only have one roasted vegetable on your roast dinner, what would it be? Um, probably a nice roasted carrot. Roasted carrot, yeah. I quite like a roasted parsnip. I think yeah, parsnip's like well. If you've got a, salty, a, a nice salty parts. gravy, yeah, for a flan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ITFC Mark, um, <laughs> he asks three questions. Number one, should Lambert have knocked Steve Evans out? <laughs> Probably not, no. Um, number two, the team has looked worse every single time judges played. Surely Nolan starts ahead of him in that role in every formation every time. Um, not sure if I really agree with that one. Um, the final question is the one we'll go into a little bit of detail on. When will we see Norwood, Jackson and Keane all start together and could it actually work? I think I think we will see that at some point, just in a in a game where probably we just... where we need a goal when we're chasing a goal yeah. live live on Sky at Accrington. It, it wouldn't surprise me if if we go to sort of one of the division's better teams, even even someone like Fleetwood, for example, and all of a sudden we just think, right, we're just going to you're you're a decent attacking side. We don't think we're going to be able to hold you back as well. So we are just going to chuck three strikers on, and these guys are going to win us the game because they are all good quality strikes at this division. Keane will be the one that drops in. Yeah, be number 10. Brilliant defenders and Jackson will just get from side to side. And so I think those three could work. Like I say, it's going to, I think you need three sort of, you wouldn't be able to have much attack from midfield. You're going to need sort of down Scoose and maybe even like Emmy Hughes in there. So so three players are going to be able to be disciplined, get about the pitch and sort of look after the ball. But I, I could see it, something like that happening at one game. Yeah, absolutely. I I could see it as well, but I've got the feeling it will be when we're chasing a game. Um, but then I suppose the question is, will we see it from the start? Yeah, like you say, quite possibly. Uh, Alex Mills asks an interesting question. Um, with the whole team lining up to do the hands in the air gesture with the fans, is this the end of the Chambo fist pump or is this a one-off? I, d- I, d- I don't think it's a one-off. I think I could imagine it happening in a lot of away games because... Lambert is very big on his sort of German stuff, mm. isn't he? And it's like he sort of went there for a year and sort of every sort of opportunity he gets, he has to drop in that he went there. But he um, he does love all Oh, have you been German. to Germany, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, did you mention Germany there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did used to play for Borussia Dortmund. But, um, <laughs> yeah, one Champions League, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I think he's, I think, like I say, I'm, the, the German influence, he, he, I think he's been out there a lot and sort of... Um, sort of bit spent time at clubs out there sort of while he's not been managing and that is obviously a style and the clubs and he just seems to have a great love of the German game and this is something that they do I think they do it in Holland as well and it wouldn't surprise me for away games especially when you've got that sort of one away terrace and the players can all come over to one bit to celebrate but like I say I'd, it was a little bit half-hearted yesterday I think they all looked a little bit embarrassed by it but yeah We'll sort of see how it goes, but I don't. I don't think you're going to get rid of the Chambers fist pump that easily. He still had to do one on his own as well. Ever the showstopper. Yeah, it wasn't a great atmosphere in the away end yesterday, was it? It was a nice atmosphere. Yeah, but it wasn't raucous. I don't know whether it was because of the lack of roof or yeah, that or... was the roof, isn't it? You, you just can't create an atmosphere in grounds like that because it just there's no sound bouncing off the roof, is there? There's just nothing going on with it. Mm. And they get, there's a lot of excitement as well, and I think some people are maybe desperate to start 
start chance even when there's one going on on the other side of the stand and it just never sort of works does it um but hey hey uh, worst problems to have um tom turnbull um what does Dizel lack that means he's not picked or trusted as much as his academy graduate peers for me he doesn't have the tenacity to impose himself on games like downs i mean you've kind of already spoken about that it, yeah. you're less likely to notice him and if he's not picking those worldy passes you're not really going to notice him very much yeah i think it is tenacity and but like i say when you see yesterday there's there's three or four occasions when he won the ball back in the sort of build up to the judge chance it was him that won the ball back and there's another one in the which are we in the second half where he sort of came back to win the ball when they were on a counter track and that was him tracking back making the tackle getting the ball and giving it to scuse but he's just he's not as good off the ball as as other players are he doesn't have that physicality to get himself around the pitch and he sometimes I don't know I you can see why he's played sort of high, higher up the pitch because sometimes you look at him and he does just seem to have sort of drifted away and sort of forgotten he's needs to be getting about and he's just a couple of yards behind where he needs to be and doesn't really have the either the energy or the sort of physicality or the drive to get back to where he needs to be all the time mm. So yesterday we had a really, really strong bench, didn't we? Uh, James Chidwick, who's at Jim Bob Chid, uh, says, with so much squad depth, who is the most crucial squad player? So I'm going to make an assumption that he does mean squad player as in somebody that isn't a a starter every week. Um, I'm going to throw a name in there. Will Keane. I think he's a big squad player. Could be very important. Yeah. I think who else is there? Could you call Garbutt a squad player? It's difficult, isn't it, at the moment to say who Ed, is Edwards? I think Edwards is important because he's well, he's sort of got he's quite versatile, wasn't he? But yeah, Will mm. Keane. And I think if you were to look at the most important player in the squad, I know it sort of is a little bit hyperbolic, but um, Kane Vincent Young because the drop off behind him is is yeah. the biggest drop off, isn't yeah. it? Where yeah, where Ed- you lose skews and you've got Downs and vice versa. You you lose Nolan, you've got Judge. You lose Norwood, you've got Keane. Um, you lose Holy, you've got Elliot. But yeah, you're right. If you if you lose Kane Vincent Young, we're back to having a pretty negative fallback. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've completely hijacked that answer from you. Um, no, that's fine. Like the sound of my own voice, obviously. Um, the Ipswich Egg um, has a non-footballing question um, for you, Joe. Can Essex do the double with a win against Somerset? So that's after they won the 2020 batch. Is it the, t- the T20 blast? Is that, I think, the Vitality? Yeah, but yeah they, they won that last night on the very last ball of the game. The captain, sort of Simon Harmer, after taking all the wickets, came in and bashed sort of 18 or so. And it was a really, really good game, really good atmosphere there. But they, they should win the title this week. It's, I say, they're at, they're at Somerset. They only need to not lose heavily really i think i think even if they lost narrowly they'd still win it and the weather forecast seems to think there's probably they're going to be lucky to get more than two days cricket there so i'm sure the um groundsman will be preparing an absolute bunsen for the spinners to have a go on but i just i just can't i just can't see them get bowled out twice in in the game so yeah they, they should win the title and it'd be a sort of great achievement for them great stuff i'm i'm, I'm glad that i got that question that cricket <laughs> question in there just because I know how much Benjamin Bloom enjoys hearing them. Um, so we'll move on to the the game now. The um, player player stats right, your ITFC stats right. 
Um, I've made it more of a play your League One stats right game this time for you, Joe. And I know that you've got a bit of a history of spoiling these games with your expert knowledge. Um, this one is League One Stadium Capacity edi- Edition. Um, so I hope you'll enjoy this one. Okay. Um, and cheer me up a little bit, Joe, because I scored a horrendous own goal this morning and then went off 10 minutes later with a hamstring strain. You might so, have had those beers yesterday. I should have just had those beers, shouldn't I, and just not <laughs> played. Um, so the starting point is Sunderland Stadium of Light, um, which is the biggest one in the in the in the in League One by some margin. So is Fratton Park higher or lower? Um, lower. Correct. So Fratton Park holds roughly twenty-one thousand one hundred. Um, so Keep Moat Stadium higher or lower? It's about 15,000, so lower. Okay, yeah, 15,231. Um, the New York Stadium, higher or lower? <sighs> I've, I've been there. I, I reckon it's slightly lower. Yeah, you're correct. It, it's it's a fair bit lower, actually. It's only 12,021. Mm. It's one of the... Yeah, that's the right size for them, isn't it? It's good that yeah. they built a new stadium for them but didn't make it massive. Um, moving on to London Road, Peterborough, where we were a few weeks ago. Higher or lower than 12,021? Very, I'd say about 11, maybe 11 and a half. Okay, yeah, you've, you've, you've gone wrong. It's, it's higher. <sighs> so you got three right. We'll keep going, though. Um, so, yeah, London Road actually holds over 14,000. Okay. Um, so Bloomfield Road at Blackpool, higher That's or lower? That's bigger. Yeah, uh, that's 17,338. Um, staying up up north, um, Prenton Park, Tranmere, higher or lower than 17,338? <sighs> it's been so long since they've been in these sort of leagues. It's hard to, uh, similar, I'd probably say slightly lower. Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, 16,789, so it's quite a big one. Um, the Memorial Stadium in Bristol, higher or lower? Lower. Yeah. 12,300. Um, Roots Hall, higher or lower? That's, that's not a big stadium, is it? I'd, I'd say it's probably about 13 and a half, 14. Yeah, that, that one's 12,392. So, yeah, it's, it is higher. But not by um, much. But not by much at all. Um, so, yeah, I suppose you did pretty well there, Joe. You only got yeah. one wrong. Yeah, um, disappointed. Disappointing for you, yeah. But yeah, most people would probably take it. Um, thanks for playing along at home, by the way. Um, and thanks for all those wonderful Twitter questions. Apologies if I didn't read yours out. It is nothing personal. Um, I promise. Um, so next up for town is the visit of Tranmere on Saturday. I'm going to go to that one. And I think Ben and Rich are back to preview that one in midweek. Are you possibly joining them, Joe? Or um, not, not that I'm miss? aware. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, so, have you got anything you want to plug, Joe? Yeah, the um, under-23s are at home to Charlton tomorrow. That game's been moved to Portman Road, so 7 o'clock kick-off at Portman Road. Oh, great. I think, I, 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 I'll have to double-check that, but by the time you've read this, it'll, I'm sure it'll be on TWTD or itfc.co.uk. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're at home tomorrow. Will and, Keane, do you think? Um, I'd, I'd imagine he's sort of out of the under-23s now. Maybe Toto Enciala have a game, and... Ben Falami continues to come back from injury, so that'd be good. Also, I'm sure no one's sort of looking forward to the EFL trophy games or the leasing.com trophy games coming up, but Paul Lambert versus Steve Evans round two is sooner than people realise in that. 
It is, yeah. Have we got Colchester before that or after? I think Colchester is after that. And Colchester okay. is... Oh, so it's next up. November, so it must, yeah. must be coming around pretty quickly then. Let me just check. I've got Go a on, program get the, here. Get the program out. Um, that you, it is that you paid eight, for, no doubt. Tuesday the 8th of October. So not far away at all. Tuesday week we get to see Lambert and Evans go tete-a-tete. Yeah, let's hype up the Leasing.com trophy. Uh, have you noticed that if you um, name drop Leasing.com trophy on WhatsApp, it actually sets up a link for the Leasing.com website? Oh, no, clever, clever give it, marketing. Give it a go, everyone. Wonderful guys. Of marketing, yeah. Um, please do all follow at Blue Monday Podcasts. Um, follow Benjamin Bloom on YouTube. He's got loads of championship uh, content on there at the moment. He was at Millwall uh, to see Bartos Bielkowski drop a bollock, as he put it, um, against QPR. Um, and, yeah, keep getting involved with the Twitter questions. Any last words from you, Joe, before we go? No, um Obviously, just hope we keep up this form and looking forward to a new club record next week. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, then. Careful what you wish for. Goodbye. <laughs>